welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. It's good to see you. It's good to be here and back amongst you. Thank you, Ethan, for leading us in worship. Could you feel the spirit moving in that third song? Something was happening at that moment, so thank you, Ethan. Uh, it's uh, always good to be back amongst God's people in the church, whether you are here physically, and I love seeing your faces and hearing your voices, uh, or whether you're online, and I love reading your comments and hearing the good things that are happening online. Uh, I've missed you. I've missed being here at our church. I want to say a few personal things as I get started in this sermon series. I want to say thank you to all those who have supported us uh, as a family and me personally. Uh, Your support, the messages, uh, the way you've cared for us uh, has been overwhelming. And uh, there were a couple of times there my phone just would not stop. I was just putting on my back as it was a great massager for a while there actually. Um, Seriously, the last... The last month has been, uh, for us and for me personally, quite difficult to navigate through uh, as we've come to terms both with the loss of my father as well as the loss of so much of our household and family possessions, all within 24 hours, can you believe it? Uh, I am I'm so grateful to our church staff uh, who covered my absence so well and particularly those, uh, the two in particular, uh, Rod and Sarah, who uh, took on extra and heavy loads while I was away. Uh, I'm also very grateful for the space given to me by the church council uh, and uh, with Bob Buxton chair. I I, I thank you, Bob, for that. And um, just for the space to be able to process what has taken place uh, so I could clear my head. Uh, But I'm also grateful for all those who served at my father's funeral too. Uh, And I want to say a public thank you for that. I, I am deeply humbled by the response to the GoFundMe and uh, I, I um, some weeks ago Rod said, uh, announced the GoFundMe campaign on our behalf and said that I wasn't in favour of it. I still remain not in favour of it. Um, I'm normally on the other end of it and it is, it is humbling uh, and difficult to receive or to be the recipient uh, of such an incredible outpouring of generosity. So uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you to those who have given and who have supported it. Uh, probably to, to save me saying many things, many, uh, saying things many times over, um, it is true, yes, we are moving uh, from the plains to the hills, and I was keeping it a secret uh, that uh, has been gone. Uh, we found a, more, a small property to move into, uh, and we will do so in early April, actually Easter Tuesday, which... You know, Easter's not a very busy time, so I thought Mars will make it Easter. Uh, we had begun the process and we had moved much of our household items into a friend's shed that was stored, uh, stored into a friend's shed. And uh, unfortunately, that was the shed that was destroyed completely uh, by the fires. Um, I have many reflections on this and they'll come out over the years, I'm sure, but here's an, an initial one. For a long time, I thought what we owned was only stuff and it could easily be replaced. I don't think that anymore. 
We attach value and meanings to things that run very deep. And while I do not believe we are defined by our possessions, they do have a special place for us. So this time has taught me a lot about grief, about loss, about generosity, and yes, that it does take time to process things. It's also shown me that my and our family's faith is strong. And that when you go into a difficult place, acknowledging that others have it much more difficult than what we've had it, but when you go into a difficult place, God is already there waiting for you. Personally speaking, and uh, I hope that this time will make me a better pastor and more reliant upon our faithful and our generous God. There are a couple of senior pastor announcements that I do want to make uh, at this moment. And firstly, uh, and I've talked about this before and I will keep um, this going, but I I am determined and the leadership of this church is determined to continue to raise up new leaders and new leaders from amongst our ranks. Some of those will serve amongst us and some of those will serve at other churches. We should expect that a healthy church will generate new leaders and see those leaders trained and equipped and then called into ministry. It's clear to anyone who cares to see that we now are in a very different world. The world we knew at this time last year has changed dramatically. And that world is gone. And it's gone for good. No one knows the future or even how to move into the future. And and leaders all over the planet are scratching their heads going, where to from here? I know because I talk to some of them, I listen to them, I, I read their stuff. And so in response to this new world and the new landscape we find ourselves in, I want to preach a series which we are calling Essence. With all that is going on around us, what is the essence of what we are about as a church? Or in other language, what is the target in this new world that we are aiming for? When everything is shifting, it is helpful to know who we are and what we are about. They're my assumptions behind this series. And so for the next three weeks, I want to bring to you the clear purpose to our church. In recent decades, the church has significantly moved its focus. And increasingly, it has become inward-focused, a comfy club. Some churches have become me church. And we all know this is not how it should be, but we all know... That's how things have worked out. But there is a purpose for the church that has come from its founder. And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to bring you these three things, and I am delighted to announce I've managed to get all three things starting with the letter C. Finally, I've got a series starting with the same letter. So just so that you can remember them, they are community, which is today, commitment next week, and third week is call. Uh, um, that just shows how foggy my brain is. I've got the third one wrong. How's that? It's cause. Gee whiz. Okay. 
One of the key markers for the church has always been community. And of course, this is our topic for today. It's easy to talk about community, but real community is very difficult to foster in a deeper sense. Yes, we can have a passing conversation with someone, you know, how was your day? How was your week? You can have that at the checkout, can't you? I'm talking about much deeper than that. I'm actually talking about biblical community. What's clear in our reading and our long understanding of church is that community is central to a loving and a growing church. Community has significant aspects to it, and so I want to unpack them today, and I want to push into this stuff called biblical community. And I want to take you primary to the second reading that you heard today, the one that Mitch read out to us, which is an improvement on the first service because I forgot his name in the first service, so how's that? Um, reading from Hebrews 10. So if you've got your Bibles, I still remember what a Bible is, so that's okay. If you've got your Bibles or a device, you can open them up to Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, I'm going to preach from that. Now, Hebrews, a complicated book if you don't understand the Old Testament well, but let me tell you the cheat sheet for it. Hebrews is a book about the supremacy of Christ. It's about Jesus over the top of all things. And as a consequence of that, it's a summons for us to outlive that faith. So if Jesus is over all things, this influences how you live your life. Hebrews talks a lot about community. Now, in the context of today's reading, it talks about the one-off sacrifice of Jesus for all of us and how we we then can live into the newness uh, of life like we have never experienced before. And so in verse 19, we hit a word that I love. It's therefore. So it says, everything that has gone before means this now. And so you outplay now into this newness of life in this particular way. And at this point, what it says is that the theology, the way we understand about God meets reality. What we understand about God works out how then we um, move and live and have our being in the world. All that we know about God and Jesus and sacrifice outplays like this. Now, there are several sermons here I'm only going to preach one. Uh, But it tells us that we have a new standing before God and a new way to approach God without fear or worry or reproach. But it tells us also something else, something very significant. It tells us that we are a new people. So put that together. We are a new people who have a new standing before God. Okay? I'm getting excited. You guys getting excited? This is good news. This is the the gospel. Like... People several thousand years ago did not, did not know this and did not understand this. We, we are blessed to know even that information. And so I love how it gathers us up and it says anybody who wants to know um, Jesus and wants to be included um, can be included into the family of God. And I, and I love that, that re- reading that Ethan read out to us from Matthew 12. Who, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? All those who do the will of the Father. You know, That says you are brought into the family of God. Wow, it's extraordinary. Anyway, that's another sermon. I won't preach that one today. And then, and then, uh, chapter 10, verses 19 and 26, has three verses about salad in them. 
Okay? It says, let us. I have to put a dad joke in here somewhere. Okay, I've got to break the mood up somewhere. Okay, so let us three times. And it's these three let us's that I want to hone into and I want to talk about And when they talk about community. And I'm focusing on these because these are community instructions. They are not singular. Let us, not let me or let you, let us Together. So if you're taking notes, I've made it very easy. Here's the first point. It comes from verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. You can see that written in your scriptures. Here's the first of the let us. A community is a place where we all draw near to God. I know that this is really obvious, that we are a place where we draw near to God. Um, but we, the church, are the community where this happens the only place where this happens. It's our relationship with God that defines us. It's a connection with God that makes us who we are. I'm just making this really clear that we are a group of people who come together because of a relationship with God. Now, there are lots of people here that unless I had that relationship with God, I would not know. True? And you would not know either. And we are so much richer for it, aren't we? I'm ready for some feedback today. So anytime you want to say yes and agree with me, that is okay. All right. We have these benefits because we are the mother and the brother and the sisters of Jesus, that we are included and these benefits roll out to us. And one of them is our, our circle of influence and the influence that people have on us is so much wider. We are included in so much more than what we would have been without having the presence, without the common bond of worshipping God. Now we, let me get, let's get this, make this really clear. We are not forged together for a cause. We, we are not a community because of an idea. We're not a community because of a reason or a helpful thing for society. We're not together because we are a service organisation, as good as they are, or because we believe in justice or eradicating some sort of scourge from humanity. We are the together because we have a relationship that God wants us to have with him. That's why we are together. And let us not forget that this relationship that we have with God was costly for God. So here's the fundamental thing that we need to understand about the church community. It is God's community. It is a kingdom, not a democracy. That's a really good one to write down and to think about. God is the center of our community. God is the object of our togetherness. God is the purpose of our gathering. And out of that understanding flows the ensuing benefits for all of us. And there are indeed many benefits for all of us. They are large and powerful, influential, helpful, life-giving. But they are the benefits, not the objects. Did you hear me on that one? They are the benefits, not the objects. When we become the centre of our community, we run into severe problems. This is in direct competition to the narrative that we are fed every day from our society. When our society says, it's all about you. Really, actually, what society means is it's all about your money and how we get out of your pocket. But it's all about you is what we are told all the time. Now, I know that you don't think that, but you do. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. Yep. We all do. It's, it, it, I do. 
and you will do as well, that it's all about you. So let's state this right up front when we talk about a community and about who we are as a community, uh, as the church, we are first and foremost a community with our focus that is on God. When we drift away from this, we are in deep waters and in dire straits. Increasingly, I hear comments here and in the wider church, written in the media and uh, on social media, Christian social media stuff that, uh, that I read, uh, that tells me that we are struggling with this. This is basic, fundamental um, Jesus Church 101. This is a church about God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not about us. So here's a simple test to employ if you're struggling with this or if you want to run your attitude or your motives or your thoughts through a grid. Does my understanding and hope for this community bring glory and credit to God or is it to suit me? Man, you went quiet then. Over and over again, I hear the last one that the community is about me. The church, yes, does include us, and we are brought into it with a price, but it's not meant to be focused on us. Labouring the point, I know, but it's important. The nation of Israel in the Old Testament is a prime example of this, and we must learn this lesson and learn this lesson well. They were meant to be a covenant people, a distinct relationship that they had with God, like what we have, who showed other nations what it was like to have God at their center, at the center of their being and at the center of their national life. You know, when, when they were formed, when they came out of slavery and then out of the desert and then into the promised land and they were given the law and, and God set the nation up, they were not given a king. Why was that? Because God was their king was meant to be in charge. Do you know how much it grieved God's heart when they asked for a king? But they wanted to be like everyone else, and so they lost their distinct nature, which made them so unique. This must not be us. We have to be a community that is different, set apart, a living proof that God is amongst us. Second point, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. This is code or Christian language for let us not give up believing in the truth of God and what God has done for us. It's talking about the gospel, which is the news that Jesus has been and is still active in the world, that he lived, died, rose again, and he takes our sin away to be remembered no more. We are a community with a message that has a strength to it. In fact, we are a confessional community. We have a confession. It's called the gospel. And it's something that we can hold on to, a message that is full of hope in the best sense of the word, a message that can be tested but has substance to its meaning, a message that is not mere words but outplays in our day-to-day -day life. It gives us a community, something to hold on to and a narrative that we speak. Like I've said previously, I've seen this firsthand over the last month. And for me, for my family, we've found we can go into difficult times and find God is already there. 
the hope that we have that God is good, that God loves us, that God cares for us, that God engages with us on levels we are yet to understand is worthwhile. The hope that we have is powerful to weather the storms that we face. As a community, we have a shared hope in a great and mighty God. So what do we do as a community? What's the instruction for us all to do? To hold on to what we know about the goodness of God unswervingly. What does unswervingly mean? If I was to write the Davies Dictionary, which I do pretty well every Sunday, I give you a new word or something different, um, it would be like this. Not deviating from the path in a straight line or with full intent. That would be my definition if I had to write it down. This is what we are encouraged to do, all of us together, with a straight line towards the one thing, the one thing that sustains us, the message that we have that there is hope in Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a friend's farm down the southeast. And I hadn't been on this part of the farm for quite some time. And he was keen to show me the improvements that he'd made on this farm over the last couple of years. And so he took me up the top of, well, I was going to say hill, but if you've ever been down the southeast, there's not many hills, there's just sort of rises in the sand. You know, so there was a rise in the sand and I could see some of the work that he'd done in the pastures, the infrastructure, you know, changes and the, the water troughs and the tanks and I could see they were all where the gravel road that, that went down through the middle of the property. But then there's something that really caught my eye and we just happened to stop right um, at 90 degrees to uh, a new fence and a new fence line that had just been put in and it ran down through the paddock uh, and... Um, the fence must have run for over a kilometre and it was dead straight. Now, anybody who's ever tried to get anything straight, and I'm looking around at some of the builders here and so people understand what I'm talking about, it is very difficult. This fence was a joy to behold <laughs> because it went straight, straight through. Just like that guy is just going straight to see Jesus, isn't he? <laughs> Our hope is not founded in our, on our shared ability, on our resources, as substantial as they are, on our size or even on our best intentions. They are founded straight on Jesus. I love that, that one verse. I love lots of verses from Romans, but one verse from Romans, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1.16, if you've never, me never memorised a verse, that is one to memorise. Write it on the back of the toilet door and read it every day. A community that knows where its hope is found, that knows where the truth is at, is a beautiful thing. It defines us, it sets us apart, it gives us a sense of community and oneness. It is this hope this gospel that must be on our lips over and over again. Third point, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So we are a community that has God as a centre, as meaning, a community that has a message of hope, and thirdly, a community that encourages each other to live out of, these, out of the implications of that every single day. Let me put it simply. Our beliefs thoughts and actions, uh, sorry, our beliefs, thoughts and values have actions. 
And these actions are community actions. And I'll talk a lot more about this in the next weeks. But for today, we have to realise that we are responsible for one another. And we have a guardianship over one another to make sure that each one another of us is living out that hope and God at the centre. Not just consenting to them in our heads and then forgetting about them, but they actually mean something with how we live. When I was at theological college last century, that's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, studying preaching, there was a question that would often be asked. Is he ever going to... Oh, no. um, what does this sermon mean on Monday? It's a good question, isn't it? Does, does what we do on a Sunday here in our gathered community have any impact on how we live the rest of our lives during the rest of the week? Can they work in the hustle and bustle of our full life? This passage tells us that a community that has God as a centre and a gospel message does indeed have a different pace to live life at. Beyond that, those who don't know about it. One of our problems is that we're so focused on what we like and what we don't like, particularly about our public expression of faith, that we forget to encourage each other on towards love and good deeds. And I wonder what it would be like if we talked about love and good deeds as much as we talked about footy, as much as we love footy, or as much as we talk about the weather, or as much as we talk about our children, or as much as we want to moan about the politics. I wonder what difference that would make. You know, we're not left wondering what God's definition of love is about. I mean, Jesus talked about it all the time. And he showed us, didn't he? And he spoke it in these incredible words. He said, greater love has no one than to lay down their life for their friends. I find that, just that one sentence, startling, challenging, confronting to know that's the measure of love for a community, that we would lay down our life for our friends. And then encourages us to do good deeds. Why? To earn our way into heaven, to, to somehow find favour in front of God. No, of course not. Good deeds are there because this is what God does for us, what God does towards us. It's interesting reflecting on that reading from Matthew 12 that Ethan read to us. Um, who, are my, who is my mother and brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of my Father. I suspect the will of the Father has something to do with these good deeds that come primarily out of the relationship that we have with God. So let me land this sermon with one really important thing that I want to say, one key direction that I want to lead us into. For I can cast these things out into our community and our community is so large that they just become like white noise. For us at Seeds, the key cornerstone for us to enact these things, especially those three let us's, and the last one in particular is through small groups. Small groups are the only way we can build intimate community with a manageable number of people. Now, I'm the first one to admit that we do not have it all together around our small group ministry. The reason for this is 
The reasons for this is wide and varied. Most recently has lacked organisation and cohesion. It has not been a strong emphasis for us over the last years as other things have taken our attention. The need for new leaders has been critical with some groups unable to start because there are no leaders. We have people wanting to go into groups and we don't have leaders who are willing to step up. Some groups are also closed and have been for some time and do not grasp the vision that we must multiply for we are not a comfy club. So I'm signalling to you today a renewed emphasis at seeds around small groups. Now I know there are quite a few churches that listen to our services and some of those churches are a week behind. And so I want to challenge you, if you're sitting in another church in another place, I want to challenge you to take this seriously about small groups, about enacting community in ways in which it can be sustained. So starting shortly, we're formulating new leaders training in order to overcome the most critical of our issues. And so maybe right at this very moment, God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone that you have been in and to put your hand up to be trained to start a new group. Why do I say this? Simple, so that we might form intimate community centred around God, filled with hope, spurring each one another on towards love and good deeds. As a church, we need more small groups. We currently have about 40. And a church our size should be somewhere up near 100. We need to make space for those who want to be in a small group. We need to get ourselves organised in this area. And we need to pick back up our long-standing habit of small group ministry as a vital and important part of who we are as church, as seeds church. Small groups are going to help us be the community that we need to be. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time to get leaders trained and to get organised. But I'm signalling to you now, this is where we are going. So let's be patient with each other as we work this out, but let's spur each other on towards this area as we work out what it is to love and to, good, to do good deeds. Could you imagine what it's like to be a community that has true community? We know it when we see it because we are attracted towards it. Imagine the testament it gives to those around us. Imagine the byproduct that comes from it. It is a vision and a reality worth pursuing. I want to read to you a quote uh, from a journalist who was uh, doing some um, investigative work on, uh, on a particular Hillsong pastor that's been in the media the last couple of months. This is a non-Christian uh, American journalist. And this is the last paragraph that he writes as he's talking about the church and about us. He says, I'm not religious. So I said, non-Christian. So it is not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable in not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much more like they want to become 
like me. Let me lead you in prayer. Lord, we, we know that your heart is for your church, the community who is called by your name. And so we want to reawaken that amongst us and to be this significant community that follows your pattern for us and nurtures one another, but also primarily gives you glory and says, Lord, you are above all things. And then invibes and lives in and out of that beautiful message called the gospel. Lord, we're challenged by this. We're challenged by letting go of what we want and picking up what you want for those around you. We know your heart is for the world and we know there are reasons you've called us to do certain things. We pray that we would see those above the reasons for our own comfort and our own needs. Speak to us. Show us. Expand our vision, Lord Jesus, and draw us in a community that, that honours you, that speaks your message and that edifies all those who come to it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.